Hey, great day. So before we get into today's podcast episode, I have a huge announcement. We are bringing back the Abundant CEO Private Practice Bootcamp. This is a three-day virtual party that I'm inviting all mental health therapists that either want a private practice in the next six to 12 months, or you already have had a private practice, maybe for the last year, five years, or even over a decade, but you want to understand wealth and cash flow in your company. You want to learn how to show up as a CEO and work more on your business versus in your business. Maybe you want to assess the health and the wealth of your current or future private practice to really see if you're on the right path to increasing your revenue, to growing your practice, maybe to streams of income later, or maybe even a group practice. Bottom line is you will walk away from this three-day bootcamp clarifying and understanding your niche, understanding how to show up as an abundant CEO, and most importantly, assessing the health of what you believe is a profitable private practice. So head down to the show notes and go to the link drtk.com forward slash links and sign up for the bootcamp. I'll see you there. Now let's head into the podcast episode. Welcome to the Branding for Abundance podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and success coach. My goal on this podcast is to simply teach you how to proclaim your victory in your relationships, academic and career endeavors, business, money, and your mindset. Learn some simple tools and techniques to brand your life for abundance and live your epic lifestyle. So welcome everybody to the Therapists Deserve Abundance podcast. I am co-hosting on YouTube simultaneously while also recording a podcast. My name is Dr. TK. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and the number one therapist business coach. If you are watching live, excuse me with no makeup. I am uh, practicing self-care today. And um, put a one in the comment box if you practice self-care at least once per week. Today, my self-care this week is actually going to get a 90-minute facial. And so I signed up with a monthly membership. It automatically covers you for a one-hour massage. But what me and my husband do or what I set up is for us to spend time together, we do a once-a-month couples massage. I do a once-a-month 90-minute facial, and that fulfills my need and overflow my cup with being able to spend quality time with my husband and also being able to take care of myself, all right? So let's go ahead and jump into it. If you um, have not been following me on Instagram or you have you are not connected with me on Instagram, you definitely wanna connect at Dr. TK Psych. And the reason for that is the link in my bio, which I'll also make sure to put in the notes for this YouTube video, and it's also on our podcast, it's drtk.com forward slash links. Okay, L-I-N-K-S. And doctor is spelled out, drtk.com forward slash links. Anytime you want to know what I'm up to, what I'm hosting, do I have any workshops coming up, especially around CE workshops, private practice workshops, that link always has the most up-to-date things. And so as of last week, I brought something back that I had available two times in the past, okay? And it went really well, and um, I wasn't doing YouTube at that time. And so it's called Podcast Submissions, specifically for 
private practice. And so I have a coaching program called Dope Therapist Academy. It primarily, of course, focuses on a solo practice. But what tends to happen in that program is that once those clinicians get grounded, they get uh, their feet wet, they get stability in their own solo practice. Then, of course, when their caseloads uh, feel, if they have a desire to do so, they may want help with growing their group practice. So then those clinicians are actually in my elite coaching mastermind. So I'm going to bring up the first question. And they, we had a lot of questions come in, but I try to put the questions in that also overlap just so that uh, it's a lot easier for us to grasp the information. Um, and then also I can title the podcast and the YouTube appropriately so that you can go and tune into whichever one you feel like pricks your heart the most, okay? So I'm gonna bring up Valerie's question, okay? So her question reads as follows. I am interested in learning about the back office of private practice. I am interested in specifically the cost associated with it and what they are, for example, renting an office space, ballpark, figure, um, as every space will be different. Insurance, is there anything other than malpractice insurance that I will need? Annual fees, such as monthly fees like internet, payroll, electricity, water, subscription, etc. And what do I legally and ethically need to have my own practice? Now, Valerie, this question is loaded. And the reason why I say it's loaded, y'all, is because if you are part of DTA, you do know that we cover all of this, right? Um, so for anyone who is not part of our community or who has never done like a virtual party or more so like the boot camps with me, I am going to answer this question, but to a degree, because some of these answers vary based on certain circumstances. And so I'm going to take one section at a time, okay? So the first part of her question was the backside of a private practice, specifically cost. And so one of the things that we do with our academy students is that we give them access to what we call the startup list. So the reason why their list and not in-depth detail information of who you should call and where you should go is because it does depend on your state, your county, your city, and your board, okay? So for example, renting an office. I have an episode recently in the last few months about when I first started renting an office. You definitely want to check it out. My four first offices. And yes, I said my first four in two years because there are certain things that you want to look at when you actually were in an office. So I'm just going to shoot some stuff out right now. However, I would highly encourage you to go find that previous audio podcast episode. And it's actually on YouTube and go take notes because I go into great detail in terms of what you should be looking for when you're finding a space. So one thing to note is that, of course, there's a difference between renting and owning a space. Um, with renting a space, of course, you definitely want to ask about what's the length of time. And this is for group practice as well. What's the length of time of your lease? What happens when the lease is over? Does your lease go up? Typically with inflation, just in general, at least in California, we can almost estimate that our rent will always go up 3% because they are competing with the, you know, the, the marketing rates in, in the county, in the state, in the country, right? Especially right now. And so you also want to consider the growth of your business. So let's just say right now you're doing solo practice, but you do have a desire to maybe hire an admin um, team and you want them to be in a physical space, right? Not at home. Then maybe you're thinking about hiring an intern, which we're going to get into a second question that covers that for group practice. But maybe you want to hire an intern or a licensed therapist. 
Where are they going to work? Do you know, based off the clients that you maybe want them to serve or that you serve, that it's best that you do see those clients in person? For example, there's a big umbrella of trauma clients that we may see. However, there's different levels to trauma. Maybe certain things that you do with treatment, like even EMDR or TFCBT for children, maybe you want to be in the office, maybe to do some type of hands-on, like if we're doing TFCBT, we might even do like Sandray or something like that, just so that we can have the kid talk to us, right? Can you do that online? Really think about that. So sometimes we may be in this era in terms of working online, but you also want to look at what is your predictability about your growth. And I'm not saying to go out and get a five- office suite, if, if it's just you, but you want to know from that leasing agent, do they have other office space for you to be able to use later, right? So those are some things that I would look at with renting. But again, I have a whole blown full like workshop podcast on what are things that you want to consider when renting an office. There is no ballpark figure because it depends on where you're at. I'm in California. I don't know. I don't, you know, even as a business coach, we don't look up uh, rent spaces in other areas. You have to do that, but you definitely want to go through that episode so that you can write down the questions of what you are looking for first, and then you go and find your office. Now, keep in mind, offices with amenities that you desire, such as free parking, maybe a receptionist because it's a virtual office space, a designated location where you can go get some coffee and tea, free, free internet, nothing is free. All of that stuff you're paying for. So on one end, you're like, wow, like I get all of this stuff for $1,200, but then there's a small office across the street for $400. You have to look at your needs and your desires and also financially in your business where you are at, which is why I tell my story on that episode about why I was in multiple offices in the beginning. One, because I didn't know no better with what to look for. But then secondly, I did not really think about exponential growth in the near future and unfortunately, I was only looking at growth right now. And sometimes that sometimes that's not the best thing, especially if you know you eventually want to expand and have more people in your business. Okay. So I can't give you unfortunately a ballpark because also, do you want an internal office? Do you want an office with a window? That can be a five hundred to two thousand dollar difference, you know? And so I would encourage you to first make a list. I'm all about like scripting, right? So in DTA, we talk about figuring out like with help, of course, with our program, your ideal client. It should be no different of you writing out what is your ideal office space. And then of course, you have to look at your budget. You have to look at where your business is. You want to consult with a tax person to really see is that the best move for you with your money um, and predictability. And then you sit down and you look at your options. And I say options because you don't want to dive into just saying yes right away. Okay. So in terms of insurance, this is a very good question. And I'm going to link this in also with group practice. We all know that we should have malpractice insurance. Now, what you want to look at in terms of what other insurances are required is if you are working by yourself, that may, a lot of my question answers are going to be may depend, right? And just write these down because that means you're going to have to do your homework. So for example, in California, they mandated all of us that were on insurance panels to get on Medi-Cal. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to accept general Medi-Cal, but through Obamacare a few years ago, if you're familiar with this, if you're, she's in California, Valerie, where if you're familiar with this, if you were in private practice at this time, Medi-Cal also has a Kaiser option, a Blue Shield option, like all of these private insurances were now able to add on a Medi-Cal 
and, and it's East Coast Medicaid, but Medi-Cal or Medicare, Medi-Cal component, right? So what we had to do is we had to go and apply for Medi-Cal. Now, what that required me to do that I found out later because they kept rejecting my application because they kept saying, upload your insurance. And I'm like, I uploaded my malpractice insurance. What else do you need? And finally, after like three rejections, somebody finally emailed me personally and said, hey, we've updated our system. It's more clear because it seems like a lot of you guys were, you know, not filling out the application correctly. What we mean by insurance, you also have to get liability insurance. Now I go through, use your affiliations. If you're part of like, um, like as a psychologist, you can be part of APA. You can be part of all these, you know, camps in California, um, California Association for Marriage and Family Therapists, whatever state you're in, first go to them and see if they have insurances um, that you need or wherever your malpractice insurance is, right? Then you need to call them. I would suggest you call them because sometimes they can even kind of like car insurance and home insurance. They can give you a combination insurance, maybe even with a discount or maybe just because you're a member, um, maybe you get a better deal, right? So when they told me that I need a liability insurance, initially I was hot. I was freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, this is another thousand dollars that I got to come out of my pocket. But it's because I didn't know no better. I was ignorant because I just didn't ask the right questions. Remember, ignorance is just, we don't know, right? So what I chose to do is I said, let me get out of my own way. I clearly am getting rejected. I got rejected four times. And so, cause it was something else that I'll tell you about in a moment, but I called and the guy said, you know, you only have to get basic liability. They just want you to have it. And it's just really to, to cover you. So I called my malpractice and asked them about it. <laughs> I should have been did this. That's when they told me the other benefits of that particular liability insurance that Medi-Cal was requiring me to get, which is it also protects my name. For example, if somebody tries to go out there and defame my name, sorry, as Dr. TK, then that also will cover me under this particular type of liability insurance. And guess what? the cost of that insurance was only $105 a year. So I was like, oh, give me that. Because even if I choose not to take Medi-Cal anymore, that's still a good deal. You know what I'm saying? And so I end up going to get it. But again, if I would not have just asked questions when they gave me a list of what I was supposed to do, I would have just gotten you know, left out in the dark or whatever. Also other types of insurances that you need to have for private practice, depending on your office site, is that some of them may require you to have certain types of office insurance, right? Now, when I applied for Medi-Cal, one of the great things is because I was leasing from a virtual office space, I just needed to get the layout. And you'll get all this in a checklist. So I'm not going to go too deep in this because this can vary based off of panels you're on, government contracts that you apply for. Like one of my clients, Ginger, she has a government contract. Um, I'm going to have her on the podcast soon, but she has a government contract program. And one of the things that she talks about in her masterclass is that you want to have your paperwork in order to get approved for these things. And some of those things are things that we keep saying we don't want to pay for, but then you want this buttload of money, you know, to be able to serve all these people. Like if you're getting like thousands of dollars, and you need to pay $200, come on, like it's $200 a year or whatever you got to get. So you definitely need to look at the structure of your business, where your money and funding is coming from. And then you have to see what their requirements are. And then you call your malpractice and see if they have the insurance or where do they suggest that you go to get the insurance. Okay. So that was a mouthful. So I'm going to answer all of these other questions in like, one answer. Okay. So she asked about like annual fees, like I'm going to say operation expenses. And so that will depend also if you're at home in the therapist cave or you're in a physical office. Again, when you go and look for an office, 
These are the questions that you would ask them because maybe a phone line is free. Mine was free for incoming calls, but it wasn't free for outgoing calls. I would have to pay for those. So of course I just had people call my business cell phone. I just added a line on my cell phone and that was that. And it was a business expense, right? Um, Water subscription. You definitely want to sit down and talk to a tax person because if you're working from home these days, I have to speak to this, right? But I'm disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, consultant, anything like that. I'm just telling you what I've learned in my working from home days, right? Is that the question is how much of those things are you actually using for your business? So if you're seeing clients once a day in your home out of seven days a week, and you're only seeing two clients and you're trying to write off your entire internet bill, but you're streaming YouTube all day and you're watching Netflix all day and your whole television is on Hulu, then that means that 100% of your internet bill technically should not be written off. You get me? But that's why you definitely want to talk to someone as it relates to taxes. Okay. And again, in DTA, we give them four bonus lessons on marketing setup, business structure outside of the five-year business plan that we give them. Um, We talk about expenses that you want to definitely take a look at. We give them this entire list. And I also give them access to the video that I did last year for a training, okay? So if you're in DTA, it's there in the very beginning of the module, like for, for business structure, okay? So let me move on to the second question. Put a one in the comment box if you are enjoying the information that you are getting so far. And like I said, you definitely want to go check out that podcast episode. It's called like four private practice offices in two years or something like that. Okay. So that's one question. As a reminder too, um, something that I forgot to mention yesterday, because it definitely helps me out with knowing that this information is helpful. Whether you're watching this live or later, I would highly encourage you if you're watching on YouTube to please subscribe to the channel. Please like the video, up those likes, because it definitely helps the quote unquote system to let other therapists know that I'm on here talking about these good things, right? And so that definitely helps me out because that also motivates me like, oh my God, all these people also went back and watched. That's what helped me out yesterday. My numbers like tripled by the time I went to bed last night in terms of views. So I was like, oh, so people who couldn't make it in the morning actually went back and watched it. And I haven't even released it on the podcast yet. So boom, I'm gonna do another one today and I'm gonna go ahead and start doing this rapid fire and answering these questions. So I'm glad that you guys are enjoying the questions. And so now I'm gonna put up the second question. It's from uh, Melissa. Melissa's from Orlando. So her question is, she wants clarification as it relates to group practice. When hiring clinicians to go from solo to group, is it better to start off with hiring unlicensed or licensed therapists? Awesome, awesome question. So, you know, I can't ever answer anything 100% absolute because everybody's business is different. Everybody's back office to their practice it's different. Nevertheless, your girl done typed out some notes for this one because this is the one I've been waiting on because a lot of therapists will do this. My private practice is full. Oh, I'm a group practice tomorrow. I'm going to go hire a therapist. Oh, you just going to get up and hire a, a therapist? Like it's just going to happen just like that, right? So let me coin it before I like go deep and say the HR game changes. You didn't hire yourself. You just opened a practice right? You may have hired a VA. You may have hired a social media manager, but I don't even know how you hired them because if I'm not your coach and we haven't talked about it, 
I definitely don't know, right? So I know what we teach in DTA under delegation. I know what we teach. Let me, let me, so let me go over DTA because I know we have some people who are not part of DTA. So really briefly, Dope Therapist Academy is to help you build a profitable private practice framework. So framework includes your entire back office. So it's your five-year blueprint, AKA vision plan that will help you identify your ideal client and help you really brainstorm and dream big about where you want your practice to go. We also talk about ideal schedule. The R, B-R-A-N-D, the reach is for creating a client framework, theoretical orientation, being able to magnetize your clients, talking about fee structure, what type of therapy you offer, and all those things related to your ideal client. Then we focus on automation, your back office, your paperwork. Then we focus on your niche, which is now you got your ideal client. Let's talk about what comes next for you so that you can make sure you put in work in this private practice to be able to reap the fruits of your labor, to then be able to have the money to have a group practice. You got me? Then we focus on delegation, which is who do you hire first based on where you are in your practice? I need you to do a time audit as your coach. That's the first assignment that I give like soon as you join, right? Because I need to know where your time is going. Let's talk about really how you think about money because how you think about how you may not have money to hire somebody, it's because you ain't hired nobody because I'm gonna help you think differently about getting help in your business and getting your time back to either earn more money or actually do nothing versus just looking at it as, oh, I gotta spend money to run my business. It's a different game. So that is the B-R-A-N-D framework. The reason why I heavily focus when clinicians talk about group practice, whether they're in DTA or not, is that if you do not have your solo practice in order for you in terms of you being able to predict your income for a year, you being able to see patterns in your business of when it's dips in terms of clients coming in and clients going out. If you've never done a QA audit on your chart to graduate clients to know when you should be moving clients out to have more clients coming in. If you don't know your private practice, First of all, I wouldn't even encourage you to go open up a group practice. Put a two in the comment box if you received just that message. And I ain't even started the whole message, <laughs> right? That was just a opening to this section. That is very, very important. If you don't have stability on your own by yourself, and then you bring someone on and you're giving them money to live on, think about that. Like you're creating, helping them create a life for themselves, whether they're unlicensed or not, and they're depending on your structure to be organized, to be seamless, to move them through the hiring process, to onboard them. If you don't even know what these words mean, hold off on a group practice. All right, because we talk about all these things even in a solo practice, like let's just onboard a biller. Let's onboard a general VA. Let's onboard your social media manager. Let's talk about what that person needs. Let's talk about a job description, right? But all these questions come up from the clinicians in DTA when they get there, because some of them need to come back a few rounds because you're not, if you're just starting, I don't expect you to even ask questions on delegation when you just started your private practice. You're going to have to come to DTA a few rounds. And when we mean by rounds is that we look at DTA as a six week model. So after six sessions, come back again and then keep going. But you have access to the portal at your own pace to go through the lessons. All right. So let me just go into some points that I want you to consider for anyone. And this is really good for those of you who may not be thinking about group practice now, but you may want it later you're in a very good position because that means that you're going to go all the way deeper in your solo practice to make sure that these things are in place before you go and entertain a group practice. So first point, supervision. We're looking at the differences between unlicensed versus licensed. 
It's easy. Do you want to do supervision? And second, are you good at it? Do you want to take on the responsibility of supervisees? Because remember, especially if you're doing telehealth, you have to be, what is it called? Reasonably available to the supervisee. So for example, if your supervisee works with children, it shouldn't come up often, but maybe they need a consultation for suicide. Maybe they need a consultation for DCFS, right? Are you available? Do you have enough money to hire somebody to be available if you're not available? If the answer is no, you may not want to see interns because you don't even want to make yourself available, okay? If you want to see licensed clinicians, please note, just because they may not need supervision for hours doesn't mean they don't need supervision. So that's, let me kill that myth. We call it maybe clinical consultation in which we come together. Like in my group practice, and this is what we talk about in the mastermind, is that we bring everybody together. We still talk about cases because I'm still giving you referrals in which people trust in my company, my agency to link them with the right therapist, right? Which means that I chose the right people, which meant that I onboarded and selected and hired and have the right job description and spoke to my HR consultant and talked to my tax person to make sure that all of these things are in place to hire someone. Hmm. See what I just did there? Look at all those points I just made in one point. And I'm not saying you have to have all those things together, but when you're considering one or the other, sometimes people think that license is easier. I have mastermind students right now that tell you, bull, it really depends on the personality of the people that you attract and the type of person, honestly, that you are. Are you a great leader? So I'm going to give you an analogy that I share with all of my communities in terms of hiring. When you hire people, people are going to mess up. You're not perfect. I'm sure you don't have no 1000% track record of never messing up anything at any job. I don't care if it was retail and fast food, right? Everybody needs to be corrected. So when you hire someone, you're the environment, they're the flower. Get that analogy. You're the environment, they're the flower. So if somebody messes up, a good leader is going to go to the flower as the environment and they're going to talk to the flower about, you know, do they need any support? What are they mixed up on, if anything? How can I be of better support to you? And also let me know what happened. Like, I, you know, I do want to be able to help you. And we're going to correct the problem. Instead, what a lot of environments do to the flower is they just externalize the blame on the flower for doing things wrong, if you follow. And they never look at the environment that the flower was expected to bloom in. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes instead of looking at your environment, that you created for this flower to bloom. Instead, we go and we blame the flower. Like, they don't know what they're doing. They messed up. This is why I shouldn't hire nobody. Oh my God, I should just do it by myself, right? People say that. And I say, back up, do an evaluation. Anytime I lose a team member, I never put 100% of blame on them. I always look at where, where could I have done better in my communication? What should I have shielded from them? Because sometimes employees don't need to know everything, Right. All of those things are vitally important when you're hiring someone. But again, unlicensed, licensed. Do you want to give supervision? Do you have the capacity to give it? Time intertwined with license and unlicensed. Just because somebody's licensed doesn't mean that they don't require more time because you still have to onboard and train 
all of these people. Why? Never assume that because somebody says, oh, I was trained in this, or I have this training in this evidence-based practice, or I worked with these type of clients before, that you can just throw them out to the sharks. You still have to show them your way of logging into the EHR. You have to show them your progress note. You have to show them your treatment plan. You have to show them how you do consultations because you want them to do consultations based off of your model. So that also means in terms of model, what is your model? In DTA, we teach them how to create their own framework. So a lot of those therapists that have went into the mastermind and built out a group, they have created their framework for their solo practice And then they tweaked it, you know, exponentially (laughs) with me in Mastermind to then apply it to multiple people because now we're looking at multiple learning styles. I hope that makes sense. Put a one in the comment box if that makes sense, right? Because I know that I'm saying a a handful and I want you to also get why there's not a clear-cut answer. And this is why I always encourage people, if you know that I can give you the tea to build your business with me, then go ahead and join the Dope Therapist Academy because it's not going to serve you to just keep, for example, let's just say if somebody kept submitting a podcast submission every single week, I'm not going to have a, as a matter of fact, answer because one, I haven't interviewed you to find out about your business. So I just want to put that out there, okay? So next point in terms of license versus unlicensed with group is longevity. You got to be able to consider the longevity of who you're hiring. Now get this, (laughs) Both of those people can leave, which is why you got to be very particular about when you're hiring personality, who you're looking for long term. One of the questions that I ask in my interviews, actually, before they even get to the interview, is what is your five year goal? Because somebody's answer on a five year goal question tells me a lot about do I want them or not? If they say in their five year goal, I'm not sure. I'm cool with that. If they say something like, oh, I want to open up my own practice in a year, I'm more than likely not going to hire that person. Why? Because that's telling me, I'm not going to say that they're going to come in and try to ask me all these questions because that's a myth as well. I have a whole podcast on that. Don't try to join somebody else's group practice and then get mad that they're not teaching you how to operate a group practice. That would mean that they're teaching you how to lead their business. Who who does that? Right? So don't get mad when they shield you from stuff if they don't share stuff. You're not the co-owner of the damn business. That's their agency, not yours. You're a contractor or an employee. Stay in your lane. That's your role. See clients, do your paperwork, attend a meeting, go home or get offline, <laughs> right? I'm a straight shooter. So when I say that because I've had people apply to my group, I had a group for five years before I went out on maternity leave. And during my group, some of the therapists during the interviews are like, you know, are you going to teach me like how to open up my own private practice? No, I didn't say it like that, but no, <laughs> right? So for interns, how long before they get licensed? What are their plans when they get licensed? Because some interns actually want the experience of working in a practice. But remember, their mindset may not be as developed as yours in terms of wealth building. Um, you know, They don't know that they can actually build their own 401k, pay for their own benefits, and that these things can be done on their own. That's not tied in graduate school. So they may be thinking like, I want to get this experience, but as soon as after I get my hours and I can qualify to get this job, I'm going to go get this 40-hour job so I can get my benefits, take care of my kids, pay my student loans back. Like That is where their mind is. Okay, so either way, you may be dealing with a group of people who may not want to be with you long term, which again goes back to the hiring practices. And in our mastermind, all those clinicians actually in that mastermind is closed, by the way, I got 21 students. They are with me for 10 months. And so if you are stable and you are making, let me put a number on it. If you are making over 
$10,000 a month consistently over six months consistently in your business, then I would say, you know what? I think it's time for you to consider, you can consider a group practice, especially if you got the clientele for it, which is another point, right? Because do you have a clientele for it? Because you got to market for other people. Do you know how to market beyond the pandemic? If you're a clinician of color, do you know how to market beyond your blackness? I'm sorry, boo. Like yo or sir, you know, your blackness is no longer enough to get a client. That was cool in March to like December of 2020, where black mental health was at an all time high. That's where we were like, you know, clients were like, I need a therapist. All this talk, I need a therapist now. But now people are moving back into the new norm or moving into the new norm. So now it's, it's, you actually got to market and get in front of new clients again. You can't just say I'm black and people want me. Guess what? A whole lot of black therapists or clinicians of color opened up a private practice in 2020. So guess what? Competition is real. Competition is real. <laughs> okay. So you also with group practices with uh, interns and license, you want to take a look at HR hiring laws, specifically per the board and per the IRS. So when I say per the board, I'm just going to use my own personal example. In California, they passed a law years ago, like eight years ago or something like that, where interns, postgraduate as MFT, like board of behavioral sciences, master's level therapists, they had to be hired as a W-2. That was to the board of behavioral sciences. Then later I found out psychological, uh, uh, California psychological board also said, board of psychology, they also said postdocs also have to be hired as a W-2. Now you may be wondering, well, why? I want to pay them W-9. I don't want to pay taxes. Well, get this. You've been a student before. What happens if you're working for somebody, the client doesn't show up, the client ghosts y'all and don't pay, you ain't got a credit card on file or they gave you a ghosted credit card. It could happen. People can actually put a credit card on file that has no money on it. It's a dummy card, right? <laughs> like if you ain't got to charge it, you wouldn't know, right? So what if you have no money to collect? What if that business turned around and said, I have no money to pay you because your client didn't show up? Is that fair? No, I call that the slave ship. We didn't like being treated like that. So why are we going to hire people like that? So when they flipped it over to W-2, I felt a certain type of way about it. But then I had a different mindset about it. One, as an employer, I get my taxes written off at the end of the year. Reframe, right? So sometimes some of y'all got a problem with delayed gratification. Like you want to see the money right now. You want to see the, the growth right now. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. Sometimes people don't want a way to build out the group practice structure because they like, oh, I got a good solo practice. So boom, all I need to do is find a good therapist. Matter of fact, I know a friend. I could just hire them. Hmm. Let me know how that goes. Got a whole podcast episode on that and a YouTube video about hiring family members and friends. Okay. Saw my face change if you're watching this on YouTube. All right. Let's move on. Beyond hiring laws and taking a look at your board to see what they say, hiring laws is also with the IRS, meaning how much power and control do you have? With the contractor, please note everybody, DTA students or not, if I'm your contractor, you can't tell me that I have to show up to a meeting. That's out. You can't tell me I have to show up to a meeting. Now you can negotiate with me before I sign a contract to work with you if that's part of the role that you're looking for and I agree on it. Okay, you're going to put that in my contract. Like we're in agreement that we're going to have a once a month consultation on Saturdays from nine to 11 because I agreed on that as part of my contract. But when you bring me on, you can't say, oh, well, this is what we do in our agency. So this is where I need you to be. You know what? You treat me like an employee. Guess what? Now we got to do taxes. Okay. Got that? All right. Payment. This is something you want to consider as well, right? Regardless, even if an intern works for you for free, I believe that no work goes for free. I believe in at least stipends. 
at least rewards every month for doing their work on time. Get them a Starbucks card, take them out to eat, buy them lunch. You know, sometimes we're looking for free help. Do some type of bartering. Bartering can look like, and we go into this in DTA, so don't worry, but bartering, for example, can be in exchange for a letter of recommendation if you get a student, right? So nevertheless, you actually should talk to a tax professional about payment, but they're also, just like I'm not going to tell you how much to pay your intern because there's a lot of things we got to look at, such as how much you're making, what type of clients they're seeing, where are these clients coming from? Are they even approved to see these clients? Don't start having intern see clients on intern um, on insurance panels because not all insurance panels allow that and that's fraudulent and you'll get your ass shut down and your license taken away. Don't try to do that. I see a lot of therapists low-key under the radar. They slip up and tell me that and I'm like, I'm located at ethics police. I'm a quality assurance person. So I'm like, you know, you just may want to be a little careful now. Because, you know, I ain't reporting you, but I'm just saying, like, that's fraudulent, like, from what you're telling me. So just go flush that out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So clientele, who are they going to see? And most importantly, are you going to help them get clients? Please don't assume before because you hired a licensed or unlicensed therapist that now they need to go out and market. Can you even teach them how to market? Do you know how to market? Do you know how to write out a client avatar? Ideal client, do you know how to speak to those people online? right? Those are things that we teach at minimum in DTA for your solo practice, right? So who are they going to see? And then also, lastly, I want to bring up is commitment from you. In a solo practice moving to a group practice, you typically don't have a backup. So when you want to take a vacation, does that mean that they're taking a vacation too? The same days, the same week? Think about that. Because technically, you're supposed to be available. So if you decide to go on a cruise where there's no service in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and they have an emergency, Who's your backup? You got to think about that. And it doesn't mean that your practice can't run. It just may mean that you have to look at other financial responsibilities, such as I need to get a backup clinical supervisor that maybe I consult with once a month, or maybe I start bringing them in once a month, pay them 200 bucks to maybe host a meeting with my team. Maybe they do some supervision. That way, when you need to take a break, or like for myself, when I needed to take maternity leave in the beginning, one of the clinicians was already supervising half of my interns. So it didn't hurt me. I made the decision to shut down my group because that's my heart was like, I need to do more for me as a clinician and another side of my business. So I was starting to open up a new season of my life, right? So it just appeared as though like the timing was perfect, even though it felt a little icky, right? But I ended up having, I, I chose to close down my group, but my group was, making well over multiple six figures a year. So what happened? I helped those therapists groom themselves out, low-key coached them. Those are some of my beta clients and they're making plus six figures a year as well. So do you have any questions? I really hope that you've enjoyed this information about these questions. I call these rapid fire. If you want to submit a question, and first of all, if you at DTA, ask your question on your culture call. <laughs> but if you're not part of DTA, and you even want to learn more about DTA, I would highly encourage you to text me the word assessment and actually come to the virtual party at the time of this recording on the podcast. I'm going to have another one next Wednesday. Now, please note, I'm doing this because I'm feeling it right now. I'm not, I promise you, going to be going live every single Wednesday, okay? If I see some people on here who has taken the assessment, 
do you want to join DTA? If you do, you have the text number 310-388-8603. If you know you want to join, just tell me like, yo, send me the link. On the link, you can read all about what it includes, you know, step-by-step. You'll see some student testimonials. If you want to see some more testimonials from our students, all you have to do is go to Dope Therapist Community Instagram page, and they're all there. But again, if you're watching this live or you're watching this later, I'm super grateful for you tuning in for your attendance today and or on the podcast later. Please make sure to subscribe to this channel. I now have two channels, but I'm not going to release that one till later. I am deciding to split my channels and I'm going to have this one solely for therapist business building and podcasting and YouTube videos related to the podcast. And then I'm going to start separating my vlogs because the vlog is technically not only for therapists, but for people who just want to have an abundant lifestyle. But that also includes therapists. But I just want when you guys come over here that you guys just see stuff related to business growth. And if you want to see vlogging, the reaps of rewards of having a profitable business, different streams of income, I'm going to start putting my weekly travel, family and business vlogs um, like a day in a life type thing. So you can see really behind the scenes over on the other channel. So I'll release that channel soon because we also have to port over some of the videos that are on this channel over there because a lot of people like those videos, but not everybody's a therapist, you feel me? So um, yeah, if you want to learn more about DTA, just simply text me right now, 310-388-8603. We have this thing called daily affirmations. And so if you signed up to like get the assessment for DTA, then you're also going to get those Monday through Friday daily affirmations, which I know one person is on here. So that explains one of the messages that came through in the midst of us talking. So if you're here and you've already done the assessment or you've already attended a virtual party, my question is, what are you waiting on? You can't get your time back. Okay. And make sure you read the enrollment page because we have an awesome group of therapists. We're very supportive. You do get unlimited access to future coaching calls. Um, We pretty much meet a little over 40 weeks out of the entire year. We do have bonus calls. And just to answer one of the questions that came through in terms of like HR and operations, we actually had a HR and operations specialist as a bonus call this Tuesday. So like, for example, when you join, now you're going to get access to go and watch that replay. And these therapists asked a lot of questions related to entity structure. And then this person also gave their information, which we're going to share with our community so that if you wanted to ask more questions, especially around group practice and stuff later, this is the person that you would want to speak to because they're going to help you with also in-depth hiring practices, right? So I will talk to you all soon. I'll let you know when I'm going live again. I need to check out these questions, check out my schedule, but I definitely thank you. Um, I'm seeing the comments in the box. So you guys are on board for more YouTube podcasts, training. I'm gonna call them trainings because to me, that's really what they are. (laughs) Um, Q&A. So I went for like 45 minutes today. (laughs) Never expected, right? But this was a very fun topic and I combined two topics. So thank you, Crystal. Uh, You're such a clutch. Being intentional is a must. Exactly. So y'all enjoy y'all tea on this Friday. I'm going to get ready for my facial and I'll also publish this on a podcast, but there are over 200 episodes um, for you to catch up on. All right. So I will talk to you all soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode today. I am super excited to see your growth in your business, career, money, and relationships. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Dr. TK Psych, where you can find daily inspiration and tips to live your abundant lifestyle.